The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Be back. Um, first of all, who is here for the first time tonight? Who's new here? Any new people? Hi, one person, two people. Great. Welcome. 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 Yay. Um, this is the second time I'm giving a talk. Last week was my first time, and I'm almost a newbie here. And now I have a whole f- one week of experience, one talk behind under my belt. So, so we'll see how tonight is going to go with all this experience here. So, um, another question: Who was here last week for last week's talk? One, two, three, four people. You came back. <laughs> Great. So, um, so this is part of a, a two-week series, and it's okay if you missed the the, the, the last week. I'll, I'll catch you up. Not to worry. Um, so, um, in honor of uh, uh, what did you call it? Compassion Heart Day. Compassionate Heart Day. I, I like that too. So, last week I called it Saint Meta Day. <laughs> Um, and um, in honor of Saint Metta Day, last week's topic and this week's topic has been on Metta and loving kindness. Um, so um, last week uh, we discussed Metta. We uh, talked about some reasons. There are many, many, many um, why why we should care about about loving kindness, about cultivating. Um, a compassionate, a, a love, a, a loving heartness, a loving kindness heart, um, and um, we did an interactive exercise. Um, and I had a practice suggestion, which is why I asked who was here last week. I want to see if people got the chance to to practice that and, and see if there are any reports to to report back. Um, so the practice suggestion was this: given that. There's been a week of ramp-up to Valentine's Day, and there have been lots of cards in grocery stores and balloons and ads on TV and ads on radio, and it's, it's been hard to miss. So there have been plenty of reminders to practice loving-kindness, and the suggestion last time was whenever you see something that reminds you of, of Valentine's Day, practice loving-kindness. And you get to choose. You either practice loving kindness for yourself. Say, um, you see, uh, you see a balloon. You see red balloons, and you can uh, do that for yourself, or for your loved one, the person that you care about, or the people around you. So, um, if you're at the grocery store and and you see a Valentine's Day card, and there are people all over the grocery shopping, wishing them well. Um, um, or people in the ads. I particularly like that suggestion. Uh, so I'm sure you've seen ads of happy couples in restaurants or buying each other rings and things like that. Well, in reality, they're actually human beings and they're starving artists. And you know, they got a gig which was doing an, an ad on TV, right? So wishing those human beings, well, may you be well, may you, know, may, may, may you end up in Hollywood if you wish to, whatever. Um, <laughs> Um, well, or extending that good wish, goodwill, to all beings, um, all beings everywhere. May they be well. Um, and if um, if people wanted to up the ante to do a random act of kindness um, in the past seven days, so so I have a question for you. If anyone remembered at all during this past seven days to practice at all, I would love to hear. What happened? So uh, today, when I was up in San Francisco, it seemed that there were many vendors who were uh, running a brisk business in both flower delivery flower sales, and so in each of those cases, I uh, 
the, the moment to uh, feel happy for them and for their brisk business today and for the joy that they were bringing to the, to the people who were receiving their deliveries. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I wasn't here last week, but I did have a is spot. Is it on? Yeah. Yes? Closer. So, there we go. So, anyway, I, I wasn't here last week, but, but thank you anyway. I did have an opportunity to have that spontaneous moment to um, buy two balloons for two unsuspecting people and uh, to give them a happy Valentine's Day, but it was almost like I was giving it to myself. Mm. So I got just as much joy out of it mm. as they did. It was very much a surprise to both of them, and it was really, really fun. Mm. Nice, thank you. I saw a hand there, did you have a hand? No, no, anyone, oh yeah. wasn't here uh, last week either, but a friend was and told me about the talk, and so I decided I wanted to come tonight. Um, what I did was uh, I decided I would get some things for the children on the street. I have five little kids on the street, and I bought um, bare root strawberry plants. Mm-hmm. Put them in little pots with strawberries and put them over them. It was a great feeling. Mm, wonderful. Thank you. I'll share one myself. So I was uh, walking down the streets of Berkeley a few days ago, and uh, uh, I was in my thoughts. I wasn't walking mindfully. I was thinking about something, which actually wasn't very pleasant. I was planning and thinking about something. Um, And then I saw these balloons, and I remembered, ah, wish well for someone and there were there was a there were a couple actually walking almost hand in hand right next to me and I started to wa- wish them well may they be happy may, may they be well may their la- love grow for each other and I was feeling so well and so happy and I realized wow it's, it, it was really a moment of insight I could have just continued down the street thinking about this not so pleasant thing um, but then my heart was brightened and, and softened wishing somebody else well and really partaking in their joy, in their happiness, in their love. So so I practice myself too. <laughs> I didn't just give a, a prescription. I did it too. And any other comments? Any other? Also, any comments from, um, any observations or comments from the meditation we did the, at the beginning? Anything that came up for you that you'd be willing to share? If it's on your mind, it's probably on somebody else's mind too. been uh, I am really grateful for the opportunity and be able to to shift the awareness because the whole day has been hectic I've been driving my sister my nephew and um, rather than fe- feeling grateful that I can be of help but I, I was feeling bugged down by it and and having this meditation it's just remind re, remind myself of how actually how how wonderful it is to have the opportunity to help to um when i'm in the right awareness to just 
it's, it's really it's a, it's a good thing what I'm doing actually. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just the, the the old mind thinking about oh Valentine you should be with partner or, or all this you know which is which is not true and um, <laughs> can spend time with sisters and nephew and have lots of lots of love and compassion and things it's just not just about the the love of partner but then love it, it's just so much different form and and just being kind to yourself and and like really I, I feel the awareness that sh like shift and I have like a sudden inner peace and and the, yeah that's inside and and the word that come for me is it is also from the Heart Sutra. It's the Gate Gate Para Gate Para Samgate Bodhisattva. Is which, which what we wanna practice, and and really really into it, <laughs> really feeling it from the heart. And so I'm very grateful. Thank you for everyone being here. May you have wonderful. <laughs> I wish you all well, and and yeah, from the heart. Thank you for everyone being here on Valentine's Day. And <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for putting it so beautifully. I mean, it's, there it is in a nutshell. I mean, it's not just about a romantic love or about a partner. There's so many opportunities for love every day, every moment. Um, yeah, and, and you said it very well. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. So, on that note, um, so much to say about metta. Um, so, the story of how um, the teaching of metta came about, and the old-timers have heard the story many, many times, and the people who are new-timers, I'm going to call you not newbies, but new-timers, um, might be interested to hear that um, it is it is said that the the Buddha first taught loving kindness as an antidote to fear, and the legend has it that a group of monks went off to meditate um, in a forest that was inhabited by tree spirits, and uh, the tree spirits resented the monks' uh, presence. So um, they decided to make life hell for them, basically, um, and to scare them away by creating ghoulish visions, terrible shrieking sounds, and awful smells. Sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? <laughs> um, and uh, the monks, terrified, uh, they fled the forest, and uh, they begged the, the Lord Buddha, please, please send us to meditate in a different forest, not this forest. And the Buddha said, ah, I'm going to send you back to the very same forest, but I'm going to give you exactly what you need for your protection. And that's when the Buddha gave the first teaching um, on, on metta. Um, and um, he encouraged the monks to recite the phrases, but most importantly, uh, to do the heart felt practice of the loving kindness. So, um, like many stories in the suttas, in the suttas, this the story also has a happy ending. So the monks returned to the forest and they practiced metta, loving kindness, and the tree spirits were so moved by the positive energy of loving kindness that um, they decided to protect them and save them. Um, and um, they lived happily ever after in the forest practicing. Um, so how is this practice, how is metta practiced? Um, it's not a fabrication, it's not a creation of the feelings. It's tapping into the feelings that we all already have. We, we feel love and care naturally. Um, for people in our lives. So the idea is to cultivate that, to tap into that and help it grow, um, and grow in a hard way. And also looking at it scientifically also, um, 
changing the neural patterns, really taking advantage of neural plasticity and changing, um, t- tipping the uh, the balance, the negative balance that our brain has into a positive territory uh, through these heart practice, through these cultivation of, of positive uh, ideas and positive thoughts during the day, which already exist anyway, but just cultivating them. Um, and the, um, the formal practice is done by widening circles. So traditionally, uh, one starts with uh, feelings um, of goodwill for oneself, wishing oneself well. And then the next level would be a benefactor, someone, for, uh, for example, your parents. Again, this, these practices come from the East. In the West, people have more complicated relationships with their parents. But... Uh, but parents or benefactor or a teacher, a, bene- uh, a teacher that you respect is usually the next category. After that, uh, often a friend, a friend that you care about, and then extending it to a neutral person, someone that you know but you don't r- know much about them. So um, a clerk at a grocery store, and I keep using grocery store as an example. It's a good example because we often go there. Um, and the next category is difficult people, people who, whom we have difficulty in our lives and wishing well for them. And then the next category is all beings, all humans, all, all everything. And the practice is often done in, in pairs and in negatives, all females, all males, all people to the north, to the south, to the east, to the, you know, all the categories. Um, so in the West, we often start with not with ourselves because uh, many people I've I've heard thirty uh, percent I've heard fifty percent of people uh, in the West have trouble with loving kindness for themselves um, and I don't know which which percentage is true and and besides eighty three point seven five percent of the statistics you hear are made up anyway <laughs> so so anyway. It, People tend to have difficulty in the West. Uh, so, so the way that we start the practice to really moisten the heart is to start with a person that we care about, a friend, a pet, a, a child. Um, and then after cultivating that, we, we um, direct that to ourselves. And if you noticed in the guided meditation, we started with someone that you care about, and then later we came to ourselves. So if, if you do have uh, some trouble with loving-kindness for yourself, it's normal, it's part, it's, it's part of our psyche, collective psyche, um, and sticking to the practice and also dealing with the practice, working with this practice as a purification practice. Because a lot of times um, the opposite of what, you, what you're intending comes up. Say if you're wishing yourself well, maybe all the ways in which you don't deserve to be happy, and you don't deserve to wish yourself well. Those might come up. If they don't come up, great. You know, just keep can you know continue and wish yourself. But if they do come up, it can be a purification practice of things that may come up, and also might be with other people. Also, say you're wishing well um, for a dear friend, and um, you remember an argument you had seven years ago and you had completely forgotten about that argument and you thought it was completely resolved, but it might come up. So um, in cases like this, working, there are different ways to work with this practice. Um, One would be to use um, mindfulness, mindfulness, bringing mindfulness when when, um, um, cases like this come up. And... um, and another one is to bring loving kindness to the um, to, to hold with loving kindness the difficulty that is coming up because it's a feeling of suffering. So if you remember the, the, the angry argument, oh, you're suffering again. So so it's possible holding yourself with with loving kindness, um, or say if you're feeling loving kindness uh, for yourself, and then you think of all the ways that you don't deserve it, holding that if it's possible, holding that with oh. That this is hard. You're having a hard time. You're having a hard time with this. Just holding that with loving kindness and see if that works. Um, so those are a couple of strategies to use.
This practice um, is also uh, used. Um, oh, so so um, um, their formal uh, their formal sayings, their their formal phrases um, that are said, and and the formal phrases both help to keep the concentration going, and it also. Um, um, and again, in a scientific way, it it it, it um, keeps the linguistic parts of our brain busy so that they don't veer off and go off, you know, making stories and telling stories. They're, they they're busy saying the phrases, so that helps with the concentration. Um, and loving kindness is practiced also as a concentration practice, as a formal concentration practice for getting into deep states of. A meditative absorption such as jhanas. There are um, loving kindness jhanas, metta jhanas, and and um, um, various uh, basically Brahma viharas, the the heavenly abodes um, jhanas that one can practice by really uh, getting concentrated. Um, so, what I would like to actually read next is the metta. Sutta itself. I think it's a beautiful sutta for you to get a sense of um, the the traditional teaching and the categories. And this is uh, translated by Gil Fransdell. To reach the state of peace, one skilled in the good should be capable and upright, straightforward and easy to speak to, gentle and not proud. Contented, contented, and easily supported, living lightly and with few duties, wise and with senses calmed, not arrogant and without greed for supporters. By the way, you notice that this is written for a monastic community. Um, and should not do the least thing that the wise would criticize. One should reflect, may all be happy and secure. May all beings be happy at heart. All living beings, whether weak or strong, tall, large, medium or short, tiny or big, seen or unseen, near or distant, born or to be born, may they all be happy. Let no one deceive another or despise anyone, anywhere. Let no one, through anger or aversion, wish for others to suffer. As a mother would risk her own life to protect her child, her only child, so toward all beings should one cultivate a boundless heart. With loving kindness for the whole world should one cultivate a boundless heart, above, below, and all around, without obstruction, without hate, and without ill will, standing or walking, sitting or lying down. Whenever one is awake, may one stay with this recollection. This is called a sublime abiding, here and now. One who is virtuous, endowed, with vision, not taken by views, and having overcome all greed for sensual pleasure, will not be reborn again. Isn't that beautiful? The poetry of it, so beautiful. And in particular, the line that always touches me is, as a mother would risk her own life to protect her child, her only child. Such a feeling of unconditional, unbounded, caring that's, that has no expectations, that loves without, without any need for a return. And I think that's really the spirit to to keep alive on on a day like this, 
on Saint Meta Day, to, to love without expectation, with a sense of goodwill, and not, not be bound by, by returning, by, um, by a sense of clinging. Um, the uh, far enemy of, um, of loving kindness is hate. Um, which is obvious. So the far enemy is basically the opposite in these teachings. The near enemy is usually a little more profound. The near enemy is one which, if you practice the practice, you might fall into and not realize that you have fallen into it. So it's a near enemy. And the near enemy for loving kindness is attachment. And on a day like this, it is so interesting to think about um, the concept, the Western concept of love comes with attachment, right? It's, 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 it's not separable. If you tell people outside, oh, love without attachment, it just, it, it's like, how can it be? It's not possible, right? It's, it's, um, but, um, But um, here's actually a line from the Visuddhimagga on, on, um, on metta. Uh, the practice of metta fails when it produces selfish affection. I think it's an interesting to, to ponder. And really it's that idea of attachment, of, of clinging up, expecting something back without just holding and, and sharing one's affection. There is a favorite quote of mine that I usually repeat to myself um, during the day, um, and it's been attributed to Plato, Philo of Alexandria, Ian McLaurin, John Watson, so who knows who said it, but here it is. Be kind. Everyone you meet is, a f- is fighting a hard battle. I really like that quote. Um, it helps me remember that even though you don't know what people are going through, um, everybody is ha- fighting a hard battle in this, in this life, in this world. Um, recently saw this, this video as part of our sea uh, care training uh, as as was mentioned in my bio and part of the teacher training at Stanford's uh, Compassion Cultivation uh, and Altruism Research and Education. It's a long acronym, something like that. Look it up. Um, but basically, this, this, this video is a great one. Um, you might be able to find it too, but uh, on, 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 um, on YouTube. Basically, it's, it's a little clip. It shows this guy... Um, a regular guy, young guys, in the car in the morning, um, you know, driving to work, and and he's he's upset. You know, this kid is getting in front of his car, like, oh, this this darn kid all the time in front of my car, and then gets uh, goes to, uh, to drives to Starbucks, and and the spot that he wants to, to park, another woman pulls in, and he's like, again, he's angry again, and then he goes into Starbucks, and then he's waiting a long line, and somebody gets in front of him to add a cookie, and he's angry and upset, and so you get the feeling, right? He's he's just like he's upset, and he's. Um, and, and, and I'm sure we can identify with that too many days ourselves. We want to go where we're going. We don't want people to get in front of us. And it's like all these people, are they're not people. They're obstacles between where we want to get, between us and our cappuccino, between us and our parking spot, between us and our work. You know, they're obstacles. They're, um, and then as he's sitting there and, and waiting for his cappuccino to come, um, this this cool dude walks up and he's wearing you know, uh, sunglasses and he just hands him a case and and the case says get service and he's he doesn't know what this means so he opens it there are a pair of glasses in this so he thinks okay fine I'll, maybe th- if I wear this I'll get service here so so he puts on the glasses and automatically he starts seeing these written tags over people. So he's looking around at the coffee shop and he sees you know, this person 
has fear and anxiety. This person is dealing with the grief of a loved one. This person has lost his job. This person is dealing with... And it, it's too much for him. It just, he, 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 he realizes it. And then he gets his cappuccino and he's coming out re- and he runs into the woman who, who took his spot. And, and I think she was the one who was grieving a loved one. So, so with those glasses on, the world gets transformed for him, realizing that we don't see what, what people hold in their heart. But I assure you, Everyone is fighting a hard battle. And keeping that in mind, it really helps tap into the common humanity that we all have problems. We don't know each other's problems. I don't know what what your brand of suffering is, but I can be sure you suffer. And I wish you well. I wish you relief from that suffering. And remembering that, both about ourselves and, bo- and about other people, it softens the heart and makes the world a kinder, better place to live for you. In this particular clip, um, as the guy drives back and goes back to his, um, to his house, one last time before he puts the glasses back, because he just can't take it, it's just too overwhelming for him in particular, but, but he sees this kid and the skateboard that, that every day comes and comes in front of his car says, oh, he just wants someone to care. So the clip ends by him deciding he's going to care and he's going to have a conversation with this kid and he's going to have a relationship with this kid. And that's how the clip ends, um, by just acknowledging that. So I don't really think we need those magic glasses, um, but we can, we can be perceptive we can be receptive, we can be open to what is going on for other people, inviting them to talk with us, just being, being inviting and not assuming that we know, not, not being in our heads, just inviting. Um, and um, another quote I love from Maya Angelou is, I've learned that people will forget what you said People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Here's a wonderful story, and this was told um, in um, the book The Wise Heart by Jack Hornfield. And I'd love to read this for you. Um, you never know the kind, something kind that you do, what kind of effect it might have on, on people. When a, fifth grader, when a fifth grade teacher's class became specially disruptive one day, throwing spitwads, calling each other names, and shoving each other in the aisles, the teacher demanded silence, then instructed everyone to take out one sheet of paper. She told the students to write down the name of every other student in the class, one name per line, down the left-hand side of the paper. Then she asked the students to write a brief description of something they appreciated about each student in the space next to the student's name. Silence took over as the students concentrated on the task. At the end of the class period, she gathered all the papers and told the students she would give further instructions the next day. After school, the teacher cut apart the comments, reassembling them into one scotch-taped piece of paper for each student. At the beginning of class, the next day, she handed each student a list of 23 comments of appreciation about themselves. The students read the sheets, most of them quietly, some with giggles, and a few wiping tears from their cheeks. Many of them had had no idea that they were regarded positively by their classmates until that moment. The exercise became an important opportunity to take in the good about themselves, and their classmates had shared and to know, too, that they were contributing to their classmates' feelings of being nourished by appreciation. But the story doesn't end there, nor do the lessons about emotional intelligence. A decade later, one of the students was killed in combat in Vietnam. After the memorial service, the father of the young man came up to the teacher and handed her a neatly folded piece of paper. This was the young man's list, 
with his classmates' comments from that lesson in the fifth grade. His father said they found it in the chest pocket of his uniform the day he was killed. Overhearing that, a former classmate came up to them both, opened her purse, and pulled out her sheet of paper. I've always carried this with me. Today was an especially important time to remember. So, be kind. Everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle, and you don't know the kind words that you say about others, the kind actions that you do, what kind of effect they have, what kind of ramification they have. I want also to read you a few paragraphs um, from the recent Atlantic article, which has to do with love and romantic love and not romantic love. So the title is, There is no such a thing as everlasting love, according to science. That's an attention getter. Everyone's awake now? (laughs) (laughs) A new book argues that emotion happens in micro-moments of positivity resonance. In her new book, Love 2.0, How Our Supreme Emotion Affects Everything We Feel, Think, Do, and Become, the psychologist Barbara Friedrichsen offers a radically new conception of love. I thought it was appropriate for today. Friedrichsen, a leading researcher of positive emotions at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, presents scientific evidence to argue that love is not what we think it is. It is not a long-lasting, continually present emotion that sustains a marriage. It is not the yearning and passion that characterizes young love. And it is not the blood tie of kinship. Ooh, the plot thickens. Rather, it is what she calls a micro-moment of positivity resonance. She means that love is connection characterized by a flood of positive emotions which you share with another person, any other person whom you happen to connect with in the course of your day. You can experience these micro-moments with your romantic partner, child, or close friend. But you can also fall in love, however momentarily, with less likely candidates, like a stranger on the street, a colleague at work, or an attendant at a grocery store. Here's the grocery store again. Louis Armstrong put it best in It's a Wonderful World when he sang, I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. Friedrichsen's unconventional ideas are important to think about at this time of year. With Valentine's Day around the corner, many Americans are facing a grim reality. They are love-starved. Rates of loneliness are on the rise as social supports are disintegrating. In 1985, when the General Society, the General Social Survey, polled Americans on the number of confidants they have in their lives, the most common response was three. In 2004, when the survey was given again, the most common response was zero. Yeah. According to the University of Chicago's John Cacioppo, an expert on loneliness, and his co-author William Patrick, At any given time, roughly 20% of individuals, that would be 60 million people in the U.S. feel alone, feel sufficiently isolated for it to be a major source of unhappiness in their lives. For older Americans, that number is closer to 35%. At the same time, rates of depression have been on the rise. In his 2011 book, Flourish, the psychologist Martin Seligman notes that according to some estimates, depression is 10 times more prevalent now than it was five decades ago. Depression affects about 10% of the American population, according to the Centers for Disease Control. But it gets better. Hold on. Um, Do I want to read this whole thing? Let's see, there was a part that was... Um, Okay, 
But to Friedrichsen, these numbers reveal a worldwide collapse of imagination, as she writes in her book, thinking of love purely as, as romance or, or commitment that you share with one special person, as it appears uh, most on earth do, surely limits the health and happiness you derive from love. My conception of love, she tells me, gives hope to people who are single or divorced or widowed this Valentine's Day to find smaller ways to experience love. You have to be physically with the person to experience the micro-moment, for example. If you and your significant other are not physically together, if you're reading this at work alone in your office, then you two are not in love. You may feel connected or bonded to your partner. You may long to be in his company, but your body is completely loveless. To understand why, it's important to see how love works biologically. Like all emotions, love has a biochemical, physiological component, but unlike some of the other types of emotions, like joy or happiness, love cannot be kindled individually. It only exists in the physical connection between two people. Specifically, there are three layers, biological system, mirror neurons, oxytocin, and vagal tone, each involves connection and each contributes to these micro-moments of positive resonance, uh, positivity resonance that Friedrich calls love. So she, she goes ahead and talks more about the various types of love and how basically you can share these three different types of love uh, on a daily basis with, with, with anyone, with everyone, um, on a momentary basis. And then the article towards the end actually does tie it in with loving-kindness meditation and the Buddhist concept of love. So um, I'd like to open, the t uh, open up for, for questions and discussion, but I would recommend you find this article and read it. It's in this month's Atlantic. It's on the web. It's for free, and you can um, get a sense of how um, the concept of love is being redefined as a way, as, as the way basically we've been talking about it, feeling of connection, love with everyone, anyone, the clerk at the grocery store, person you don't know, your difficult person, wishing them all well. So here it is in, in the science, in the recent scientific writing too. So the title is, There is No Such Thing as Everlasting Love According to Science. Yeah. So I would like to op open it up for the last few minutes for comments and questions. Any reflections? Any? Um, I'd love to hear from you. And I know you're a quiet bunch. This? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, I was at Costco getting a prescription refilled, and a mother with a baby and a seat on top of the um, basket came by, and I turned around to, to look at the child there, and the child flashed this wonderful smile, and it was, it felt like a biochemical moment. Like a drug moment. Mm -hmm. I mean, a baby's smile or gaze is so powerful. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, a it's just a lovely image. I mean, that would be a nice one to meditate on. Yeah, yeah. And I, it was just out of the blue, you know, standing there in the line. And, and anyway, it's nice. Yeah. Thank you for that. I think he, she, uh, Barbara Friedrichsen would define that as the macro moment of positivity resonance that you had. Absolutely. 
may there be many, many more of those. Yeah, great. And it's free. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think the beauty of, of also the practice is that we can cultivate and create these moments in our daily life by inclining our, our minds in that way. Instead of thinking about unpleasant and ruminating about things, just thinking about the care and the love that we have um, and experiencing it. Yeah, thank you. So any um, thoughts that came up for you, any observations, any connection to your daily life? If anybody else thinks they were going to say something, I really want to hold, bring this to them first. <laughs> I don't mean this to be a filler, but I always try to not leave with no one saying anything, and I always have something to say. It seems that that poor fellow who was in Vietnam and who died, that these things are still happening in Afghanistan and Iraq, and Yemen. And if anybody is interested, we have a small socially engaged Buddhism group. And it's just so, so small. But if anyone is interested, there's so many little ways that maybe we could just think of how to decrease the suffering a little bit. observations or thoughts, um, especially for, from new people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, my question is, if, there, if love is not everlasting, if there's no everlasting love, then what is lasting? Is it possible to cultivate loving kindness in such a way that it's it's everlasting? I mean, it's that it's you know that you can ground yourself in it. I'm I'm just thinking about like like enlightened people or or even like really when you're keep yourself in such sharp awareness mm-hmm. and to have to practice that and really cultivate it deeply and what what are your right yeah um, thoughts on it Thank yeah you. so as you practice and you cultivate um, your mind for example in loving kindness that becomes the tendency of your mind and that is the way in which your mind is going to operate but nevertheless, it's still not permanent. It's still moment to moment. So whether you're thinking about it in a scientific way, uh, about neurons firing and it's moment to moment and no everlasting love in that way, even if you're thinking about it in the Buddhist way, according to the Abhidhamma and the, and the Buddhist psychology teachings, everything arises and passes away. Every moment so there is no continuity. There is no, it, everything arises and passes away. Every moment, every mind moment, it's just arising, passing away. So it doesn't mean that there is no tendency. So, so, so that's the way you can hold this, right? So there is no, the way, for example, she's talking about not, nothing, ever, nothing lasts forever is because it's moment by moment by moment by moment. And if, the cult, if your mind was tilted a different way, it would go a different way. But... Um, if you practice and, and your mind's tendency in a particular way, then those are the thoughts that are going to arise every moment as they arise and pass away. Does that make sense? Yes. So it's a more like rewiring of our way of thinking, our, our <laughs> rewiring yeah. our brain. Yeah. Yeah, rewiring. Yeah. I, again, thinking about it in a scientific way, yes, and also thinking about it in a Dhamma way is change, is um, 
changing the mind stream. So if, if you think about the stream of your thoughts as a river, right, um, and the, 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 the water in the river in any given moment is completely different. It's a completely ri- different river, right? You never step in the, in the same river twice, right? Because it's always new waters. So if you think about your mind stream, the stream of your thoughts, the stream of your life as a river, by sort of pushing it in you know one way one you know the particular particular direction after a while it's going to flow a different way even though there new there's new fresh water every moment but it's flowing a different way right? so i think that would be the way to think about it also thank you so much You're i welcome. think i have an enlightening uh thoughts <laughs> 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 thank you for your description yeah you're welcome You're welcome. Yeah. So um, we have a moment left, and in the moment, in that moment, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. Take a deep breath. Coming present in your body, and bring to mind one thing that might have been interesting to you or useful to you tonight. Either something you heard, or something experientially from the meditation. One thing that has been of value to you, and you can take forward with you in this week. Expand it, practice with it. Perhaps journal about it, or maybe it's something you would like to share with others. Perhaps over. Dinner, lunch, tea with your friends, colleagues, loved ones. Now I invite you to, if it feels appropriate, offer yourself some appreciation for bringing yourself out here tonight. It, it does take effort. Thank yourself for doing this for yourself. To help yourself. Stay aligned. Be aligned with your highest intention, and allow that sense of gratitude for yourself to grow into kindness and appreciation for yourself, and then growing that for appreciation to everyone who's here in this room, who has come out tonight. Make this evening possible. Wishing them well, not knowing the stories of their suffering, but wishing them ease, safety, health, well-being, whatever they need in their lives, and extending that beyond this room to all beings everywhere. May all beings be happy. May all beings everywhere be well. Thank you for your attention.